Welcome. My name is Bill Munhausen, and I'm your host for The Key, Christian Ideas and Activism, based in Lake of the Ozarks in central Missouri. We talk about diverse topics from a Christian perspective. Our team of local residents includes David Batty, Matt Burns, Stacy Shaw, Ike Skelton, and Deanna Walton. In this last episode with Ike Skelton, we talk about states' rights, a concept that went out of fashion but is really foundational to our republic. After all, the states created the federal government, and the people of each state still have rights apart from Washington, D.C. At the end of my first session with Ike, I said Social Security being merely mandatory personal savings might be consistent with conservatism, but I neglected to mention it doesn't belong at the federal level. The individual states, being closer to the people, are better equipped to manage social programs, and then only if the citizens want such programs. Let's return to our discussion for some possible solutions. One of the things I'd like to get to, though, is whether there's some practical solutions to what we're talking about. Well, let's, let's just go back to that for a minute. You know, when you have the moral high ground, uh-huh. I think you can get away with doing what, is, what you as a state would want to do when it comes to states' rights. But when you get into slavery or something else of that nature, see, you don't have the moral high ground anymore. Right. And I don't think that would last for very long. I, see, slavery was on its way out in this country when the war came about to begin with. Yeah. I don't know. It was too bad in a sense because it changed the, the whole focus of the way the federal government was. It sure did. It, it was really an issue about states' rights. Mm-hmm. And it was good that slavery ended, but it was bad that it was done by federal mandate because then it made the it made everybody suspicious of states' rights and states doing their own thing. Sure. And, well, in, and in many ways, it would be good if we had more liberty at the state level. Right, and the passing of the 14th Amendment certainly eroded. I mean, Which one was the 14th right? again? Was that the one the where four- the senators were elected instead of appointed? No, that was the, the 17th. 17th. That was the f- another one. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad one, too. Yeah. But the 14th basically said, or has been interpreted and used to mean that everything in the federal government, our federal constitution, is now foisted upon the states. Mm -hmm. See, I believe, and all federal laws apply to the states. Mm -hmm. See, I believe that if a state wants to restrict your firearms rights, they have the authority to do that within their own constitution. Right. If there is a state that says you cannot own a firearm and live in this state, but for their own constitution, I would say they could do it. Well, except the uh, federal constitution guarantees... Restricts whom? Who does the federal government restrict? Federal government, right? The U.S. Constitution is supposed to restrict the federal government. Right. So if a state wants to not have... So the federal government cannot infringe, but the state government can. I think. Yeah, you're right. Except when a state signed on to become a state, they had to... They had to present, I think, a constitution. Their own constitution. Their own constitution. And that constitution kind of had to adhere to the U.S. Constitution. Now, the Missouri Constitution, prior to just 10 years ago or so, never said you could carry. As a matter of fact, specifically said you have the right to keep and bear arms. But it specifically said that did not mean it could be concealed. That's the way Missouri Constitution used to be. See, when I first uh, started to become interested in firearms, I thought concealed carry was weird Mm -hmm. because it's almost like you're concealing this dangerous thing. Right, right. (laughs) It seems wrong to me intuitively. Whereas if it's 
open carry. That makes sense because people can see what you got. Sure, 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 sure. And I get that too. And open can, <laughs> open carry is all right. But of course, bear simply means to carry, whether it's concealed or not, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's why the Missouri Constitution had to specifically point out that it did not mean they could be concealed. So then Missouri's Constitution had to be changed so that you could legally carry a concealed weapon in Missouri. Oh, so was it changed? Absolutely, sure. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. there you go. So you have some deviation, certainly, from the U.S. Constitution in each federal in each state, mm-hmm. uh, but it adheres to the basic principles of it. Right. Yes, you can keep and bear arms, but we're going to restrict how you can do that versus the federal government can't even restrict how you do that. Mm-hmm. See? Right. So so I think that, that we could do a lot more when it comes to the state's rights in, in those particular, all, all those categories. Right, and as long as we take the moral high ground where yes. we're not limiting somebody right, exactly. or harming anybody. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. So you, you want tangible fixes, and I think you've already brought it up. I think the tangible fixes are states' rights. One of the most tangible fixes would be a a governor that would stand up and say, we're not going to do the abortion thing. Uh, we're not going to allow any any of these refugees in, or we're not going to allow any, uh, uh, you know, we're going to do everything we can to eradicate illegal aliens here. Uh, you're only going to speak English in the state of Missouri. Now, as far as illegal aliens, even though federal government restricts or has control over immigration, we should still be able to make sure people are citizens. Yeah, absolutely. Because or at they, least register people who aren't citizens. Yeah, because now we are conforming to the U.S. Constitution and federal law then when we do that, right? Sure. Whereas the sanctuary city thing, even though... We can say that that is a nullification to a point if your state really wants to do that. But to me, I don't think you can nullify that because that's a legitimate thing that the federal government is supposed to do. Now, Ron Calzone agrees that through anti-commandeering, they can say it's a sanctuary city to some extent. Where they yeah, can, they, they can say, they, we're not going to... We're not going to help you, federal government. Yeah, we're not going to spend our resources yeah. to do your job. But when they shield them, now I think you're going against the Constitution, against right. federal law that way, mm-hmm. and then that's a problem, and I think Calzone would probably agree with us too, I hope. Okay. Um, so we could do that, I think, in a lot of different ways. And, and you know, freedom, what was it, what's this, what's, uh, who was it that said we don't need, uh, what are, we just need brush fires in the minds of, brush fires of freedom in the minds of the people to get it going, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so would, if a state really stood up and said, with marijuana laws, one state finally stood up and said, yeah, sorry, I, we're going to do it this I way. I don't believe that was like a principled governor who well, did that. I think that was but uh, it's, a, but it's the a idea. grassroots idea. But it's, the, it's still the idea. Okay, maybe, so maybe, maybe it was... Maybe a, we need a grassroots... Maybe it's a grassroots requirement. That maybe. Maybe we need a grassroots... Well, see, we tried to put personhood on the ballot for the state of Missouri to change the U.S. Constitution. Uh-huh. And I think that if we would do that and the people of the state of Missouri said, yes, unborn babies are now persons. Right. I think federal, our state law that says no person can take the life of another person would then apply. Would then apply. Mm-hmm. And then that would be telling the federal government, go pound sand. We're right. going to do it our way. Okay. So I think we could do it a lot more. I think we'd do a lot more. And I don't think it would have to be a grassroots. No. It's the idea, no. not you how it's done. You could get some amazing governor yeah. in place. <laughs> Maybe one day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but know. otherwise, yeah. it probably has to be it grassroots. It probably has to be a grassroots thing. Yeah, probably so. Uh-huh. So one, of, so we started, one of the things we, we've concerned about is, is uh, financial policy, right? 
So what could the states really do when it comes to financial policy? Yeah, that's a, that's that was where, where I was actually going to go next, because um, first of all, I don't know what the implications are if the uh, the banking system collapsed. We, we mostly owe money to the banks. I guess there'd be a lot of mortgage holders who would not have to pay any longer. <laughs> well, that's, see, that, that, that was part of what I was saying earlier with the others Jubilee thing. Yeah. So then what would, it, like my house, right. what, what would happen to my house? It would be free. Would it be mine then? I would own it? If the bank no longer exists. Then I'd have to, wouldn't I? I think so. Who's going to be the mortgage holder then? Nobody. Nobody would it. be, right? Right. Now, what now if, if the bank at the last minute <laughs> sold your mortgage to another bank, that could happen. That survived? Yeah. But then that would just continue as it was. Yeah, so right. So and that wouldn't, so be so, just, that wouldn't really be solving anything right there then, would it? So much. Well, I guess I, if you're talking about a complete financial collapse... Does every bank go out of business? Would that ever happen? I mean, we had a mini collapse back in 2008. Just, and yeah. a few big banks went out of business, but it didn't change anything. There was a, that's the, isn't that the fascinating thing? Was there a ripple anywhere? Well, really? there, there was a big ripple in terms of the economy. I mean, for a little while. And it didn't affect me. What suffered? I didn't have anything in it. You know who really suffered? The 401k holders. Is that who it was? Sure, because the stock. What is the stock oh, market? Oh, you mean the stock market? Yeah, what the stock well, I, market crash? Yeah, I see. I had very little money in the stock market back then, so in my iris, <laughs> so it didn't affect me much. Well, there, there, therein lies the question then. So, if we talk about this collapse, mm-hmm. who's going to collapse? Like you said, is it going to be? You know, a nationwide thing, or is it going to be like 2008, even if it's bigger? Uh You know, let's say you had a 401k that was worth $100,000, and in 2008, you lost uh, 10% of your portfolio. Mm -hmm. Well, what if you lose 15% of your portfolio now? Yeah, or 20 or Or 20%, right. So, but that's still not 100% collapse. Yeah, well, that's because the system didn't collapse because the Federal Reserve saved us. Propped it up. But what if they're what the if people they that go- were responsible for it to begin with <laughs> propped it back up and saved yeah. it, right? So yeah, yeah. I mean, and- that's part of the the argument I don't get is uh, you know my friend who thinks it's all going to collapse catastrophically. I think the bankers have means to prevent that. I think I think this system has been going on for a long, long time. But but even if they didn't, I'm still wondering what would the effect be. I mean, I guess if you had a lot of cash and savings, if you had a lot of um, if you owned a lot of stocks. I think only I'm if you, not, I think sure. only if you owned a lot of stocks because if you have a dollar bill and it doesn't collapse and the dollar bill isn't replaced mm-hmm. then your dollar bill is still a dollar bill and I don't know what it might be worth on the other side of that right and that would be, you know, that'd be an issue, but that would be an inflationary thing might, then, wouldn't if it? If you had physical dollar bills, it might actually be worth a lot more because a lot of people would have only digi- <laughs> Only electronic dollar bills, dollar bills yeah, <laughs> that you can't go find. So, yeah. yeah. So, maybe that is, maybe stuffing it into your mattress is safer nowadays than it ever <laughs> used to be. I don't know. Yeah, but you see, that's, uh, I, I but, guess, uh, we need a financial person to explain this. All of my financial advisors, you know, because I do have financial advisors okay. because of IRA, none of them are concerned about a collapse. Isn't that something? What about Pierce? I don't. I haven't talked to him about it. He'd be a, he'd be a good guy to yeah. Good interview. Well, he uh, yeah, I should interview him. Well, he would start talking about stuff that I don't understand. 
<laughs> yeah. You can get over your head pretty darn darn quick, that's yeah. for sure. At least you get over my head pretty quick. But as far as these people on the internet who are, who are talking about how uh, the Federal Reserve is pumping money into the system and it can't go on, I don't know what happens when it can't go on. If it's, It seems like there's always going to be a banker who will step in and buy up the assets of some bank going out of business. At least we've never seen anything that's a total collapse in the world. And my friend would probably say, well, you're just being naive just because you've never seen it doesn't mean it can't happen. But if you've never seen it, it's a pretty good clue that it's unlikely to happen. Well, look what happened in Greece. Yeah, what happened and, in Greece. And I don't... And, and the only thing I know... I, I think the Greeks are still pretty happy and living and everything, you know. They protested for a little while, but I uh-huh. think they're... I mean, they're doing okay, right? I right. mean, I don't know. Yeah. Did... If you had... Now, uh, Venezuela is maybe a different story, because they're starving and everything, but... Well, now, Venezuela... That's because that's a managed socialist economy that... Yeah, I don't know what... Much. I don't know what Greece is all about, but... I think in Venezuela, what you saw was a fleecing of the economy. Mm-hmm. You actually had government pirates, as it were, you know, the the, the Chavez's and whatnot, uh-huh. just sucking billions of dollars out. But I don't know what yeah. they do with that. Yeah. Now, where, in Greece, the go? difference is they're part of the EU, so the rest of the well, EU kind of propped them up. There's something there, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's the difference. Mm-hmm. And I guess a collapse would be relevant if the dollar was no longer viable on the world market. And I think that where it could be a problem because now, because what's what's wrong with Venezuela? They still have every house that was ever built in Venezuela is still there. They can still produce just as much food now as they could before the collapse. Um, They're still pumping oil, you know, so on and so forth. So what is the real difference there? Why is it because their dollar is no good anymore? Or Well, I think it's what you said, is the government is fleecing them. And being a socialist system, the government controls production. So from what I understand, they have a shortage of food, they have a shortage of medicines. Those are all part of the planned economy. And if you're broke, if your people are broke, you now have no consumerism within your own country. Mm-hmm. So even if your government-controlled uh, production of some sort of a widget yeah, who can buy it? Yeah, who's going to buy it? Yeah. And if your if your government has collapsed that much, your dollar is now worth nothing to a foreign entity. So I'm not going to come in and buy an asset in your country because I don't know how stable that's going to wind up being or whether it's going to be worth anything right. when it's all said and done. So now you have no fresh money getting pumped into your country. Now, in terms of the, what you said a minute ago about what if the dollar loses its value internationally. But again, do we have to buy something internationally? We're energy self-sufficient right now. We're food self-sufficient. We're food self-sufficient. I mean, I guess we can't buy little gadgets and stuff. Well, you know, there, there. You know, now you're bringing up something that I think would be very interesting because maybe that type of collapse would get us to where we couldn't buy the five dollar item at Walmart because uh-huh. we can't get that five dollar or that two dollar item from China anymore. Right. Now maybe we have to make it in America here because everybody's broke. You're not going to get thirty dollars an hour mm-hmm. to produce this widget. Right. You're going to get $10 an hour to produce that widget. You're going to be happy that you have that job making that $10 an hour widget, aren't you? And me as a consumer, maybe is still paying $5 for that widget because your wages and the standard of living has come way down in America. Right. Uh, maybe, it, maybe a collapse in the long run after it's all said and done would be a good thing. I yeah, don't know. I think everybody kind of agrees that a collapse in the long run is a good idea. <laughs> 
but they're worried about the short run. It's what happens immediately. Well, that that comes back to again, though. What what is going to be? You know, you you mentioned it. We're 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 energy self sufficient. We're food self sufficient. If you can feed yourself, house yourself, and clothe yourself, you're going to be okay. Because I can stop going to Silver Dollar City for a while. We just yeah. went out to the pumpkin patch at the cave pumpkin patch mm-hmm. and had some fun. If I don't have a couple of dollars in my pocket because I got to feed and clear the water, I cannot go to that pumpkin patch for a while until things come back around. You know, right. mm-hmm. I've often thought that we ought to have more of a local economy; that we ought to buy from local growers more, and and possibly that's happening already because we do have farmers markets where people can buy produce. And what is it that? Why and when did we start wanting to trade with China so much? Was that just because we no, wanted no. to open it up? And we well, why are we pumping so many billions? Billions of dollars into this communist country that doesn't like us right. and really wants to dominate. They really do want to dominate the world. Uh-huh. I would much rather cut off trade with China, maybe, and go to Russia, even. Because the Slavic people, I think they're good people. Uh-huh. I think the people of Russia, Ukraine, whatever, I think, and Americans, we'd probably all get along fairly well if it wasn't for our governments. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I think the Chinese people are probably nice people, You're too. You're probably right. The Chinese people are probably good people if it wasn't for their governments, too. I, I, yeah. yeah, I agree. But I agree. It, it does seem like it was back in the, uh, oh, 30 years ago when everybody started talking about about how we have to be part of the international community and yeah. world trade and everything. Yeah, there you go. Right. And uh, I don't know why that was necessary, but it probably really wasn't. It was probably some leftist progressive concept that we could have a one world all living in harmony together. Well, part of that, you know, goes back to United Nations Agenda 21. Uh-huh, yeah. It really Which does. is a whole other thing that... It is a totally different, a but it uh, it encompassed so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing was 360-some-odd pages, I believe. And right. There is not an aspect of life that is not discussed in that in that plan. Yeah. But and, and they wanted to control every aspect. Yeah. Every aspect. And part of the reason to join the global community was to bring the rest of the world out of poverty by, and the only reason you really, the only way you can really do that, if you don't increase the pie, mm-hmm. you have to bring the pie down. And America is the pie. And as America tends to go down a little bit, and Barack Obama was a big proponent of this, mm-hmm. America was going to have to be in decline so that the rest of the world can come back up to some sort of standards. And as capitalists, we believe that you should be able to do both. Yeah, absolutely, because there is no one finite pie. Right. The pie is as big as you make it. That's exactly right. So let's kind of boil this down. Our best bet, if we're right in what we're talking about, is to do things at the state level, to identify those things about federalism that offend us and readdress it locally. That sound about right? I, I think uh, I think you got, yeah, I think so. I think our biggest conundrum there, and I'm sure there's somebody smarter than I could figure it out, is, is the monetary policy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we may be stuck somehow with monetary policy being federal. Yeah, because a friend of mine, when we talk about states' rights, my argument, because he always says, well, just don't send them the tax dollars. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Because <laughs> if, if, if I've got Boeing out here and I've got 1,000 employees and the federal government says I have to take taxes out of their paycheck, who sends that to the paycheck? Who sends that to the federal government? Does it not Boeing? Uh, yes, but so, then but then it becomes each individual employee's tax return, and all that Boeing has done has sent them money in advance. 
the individual then has to settle up. Right, but my friend is if, saying... If the, if the Boeing didn't send the money in, then, it, then every individual would have to do their own tax return and do their own withholding. And Well, then there you go. Maybe that's how you would deal with that because the, this friend's idea is, well, Missouri, is, we're just not going to send you any more tax dollars. Uh-huh. All the people in the state of Missouri that, that work for your, work for, you know, that have to pay federal taxes, they can figure that out on their own. We're not going to send it to you anymore. But the state doesn't send it. It's the individual employers right. that send it in. Right. And, and they set up the system very good for that. I always mm-hmm. had this theory. Uh, when I was in the military, where was I serving? Everything was in basic and AIT. We didn't actually get paid cash. We got paid a script. It was yeah. play money. And you took that play money and you turned it in eventually, I think, over at the PX or something for real real dollars in, bill, real dollars in cash. Uh-huh. Well, when we got paid, they gave us this lump sum of cash, these little, these little chits, whatever they were. Uh-huh. And then we went to the next person and they took some of them. And we went to the next person and they took some of them. And then by the end of the table, we had whatever we had in our hand. I think that's the same thing should be for for the for payday on friday when you get paid at your company there should be a government table sitting there mm-hmm. and the very first person is your employer here is a thousand dollars cash this is what you earned today this week and then the next one is the federal government uh you need to give us blah 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 then you have to cash that fork out of cash and then the next person is the state government uh, we want our cut mm-hmm. you know and right on down the line by the time you got to the end of the table You'd be ready for revolution. <laughs> it, w- it wouldn't be so theoretical. It wouldn't anymore, be so right? theoretical anymore. But as you see it now, if all I give you is five hundred dollars, even though you earned a thousand, yeah. you never saw that thousand. Right. You don't miss it. That's right. See, I, I, I think uh, that's the only it's the only sticky wicket um, is figuring out that monetary policy. But the rest of it, yeah, I think that's that's going to be our best solution. Just revert back to states being uh, what the people of those states want to be. We've talked in the past about having a monthly meeting, like the conservative club used to be, mm-hmm. although it needs a different name maybe. But uh, maybe that would be a project for like-minded people in the, at the lake area to figure out how to implement some of these ideas. Maybe become uh, kind of like uh, people who go out to Jeff City every once in a while and, and lobby for things. I sure have done plenty of that already. Yeah. I wouldn't mind doing it again. Well, it'd be great to have a bunch yeah. of like-minded men to spread the work around. It would be. And I would keep it down to maybe a, not an invitation only, but well, maybe just find 20 people. Uh-huh. But we'd have to be really like-minded. Really like-minded. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to agree lock, stock, and barrel. Mm-hmm. But there's some big things we'd all have to agree on. Okay. What are the big things? Well, the size of government in general. Oh, and what government? I, 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 yeah, I guess a our philosophies would have to be more matched and how of going about it. It's really easy to get sucked into kind of a socialistic idea. Like, what do you do with these people? <laughs> it's a tough thing to say, well, what did, what did the Bible say? Yeah. The Bible said, if, if they will not work, don't feed them. Yeah, and... Now, I know that to put that in context, yeah. I know it was a limited group of people. Well, it was also easy to work then. Well, it was. And I think it's easy to work now. I think uh, we just have too many alternatives to work. I think think the people who who can't get a traditional job still could could receive money but become state employees or county employees, so to speak. Yeah, or work right there in the city or so. Or how about, I mean, this is very collectivist now. You want to get into collectivism. How about those people would be... uh, Growing the food for the community. Right, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that is a collectivist. But if if your collectivism is local, maybe that's a whole lot better. I don't know. Well, I I don't 
consider it collectivism. You want every person to feel value. So in a sense, uh, government facilitating having real income for people or or jobs for people is not such a bad thing. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, because... It's uh, not a handout any longer. It's uh, you haven't found factory work, but we have these jobs that you can do. Yeah, and because these guys are going to the factory and working and paying for you to be able to live in your house right. where you can grow the food yeah. that these guys can't grow because they're over at the factory working. Right. Okay, yeah. Okay. that's good because now now you have everybody doing their own thing whereas when, uh, you know, uh, America was, well, not founded, but with uh, John Smith, mm-hmm. you know, at first it was, okay, we're going to have one big community garden and everybody's going to get out of that. Well, maybe only 50 out of 100 people actually went to work in that garden and the other 50 just maybe laid around and didn't do it. They weren't quite as productive, but right. they want, they want, they're out of it, right? Uh-huh. So, but when you have everybody being productive in one, one way or another, then it's not as collective that way. Right. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's decide to try to to find people to join our club. No, that's not cool with that. And here's another thing we're going to have to do. We're going to have to raise money. Don't have money, you cannot influence everybody else. Right. And there are some methods that I have learned through that uh, um, faculty training that are incredibly effective. Faculty training. Yeah. Um, what the Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership. Oh, Okay. It's very interesting stuff. And there's uh-huh. classes around. I didn't like. I don't like the people that maybe do it anymore because. So at first I was very heavily involved, and I was like, "Ooh, yeah, this is great stuff. Let's go do it." Yeah. And they they will tell you, "Oh, we'll help you. We'll help you figure this out. We'll help you figure that out." Well, one of the first things you got to do is be a nonprofit, so you can start raising money, right? Uh-huh. So hey, help me figure out uh, these forms for filling out a nonprofit. Well, we got somebody who knows how to do that. It'll only be two or three thousand dollars. Oh. What? Huh. Well, first of all, the feds want three grand. Oh, well, no, I set up my own not-for-profit. Yeah? It was like $200, if you decide to be a poor not-for-profit. <laughs> well. <laughs> there actually are yeah. dollar limits. Well, and I think you can fudge <laughs> at the beginning and say, yeah, we're not going yeah, to raise more. And once you get to be like a millionaire yeah, yeah, group, then you can pay the 3000 Yeah, yeah, right. There you go, right? Something like that. <laughs> that. That was my plan. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I like the way you're thinking. That's what I would say, too. Wait, this is still on? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but... Uh, yeah, no, uh, not-for-profit isn't hard. Well, and then the other thing was, they were like, all right, well, we'll help you plan on how to do this, that, and the other thing. And, and I would call and talk to them. We even had meetings over the phone. Yeah. And they want you to write down and fill out this entire plan you're going to go through and all this crap and then send it to them. Hmm. I'm like, I don't have time to do all of that garbage. Help us out. Sit here and just give me a few pointers. Yeah. This. Well, I think, I, you know... So anyhow, long story to be short, they have some good methods at work. And you know you have know kind of access to some of the principles yeah. yep. so we mm-hmm. could make use of it. Mm-hmm. I still have uh, yeah, I still have a lot of the handouts, all that good sort of stuff. So we could we could we could uh, apply some of those conservative okay. principles. All right. So in closing, we have a plan for the future. We're gonna try to do something. Okay. And we'll get back together again when we are ready for the next step. For these three sessions with Ike Skelton, we've talked about whether people across the United States still want the founding principles of our nation. Have we traded in our love of liberty for a desire for security? And if we love freedom and our fellow Americans do not, what can be done about it? First, we should consider why our founding principles matter. If the United States was designed to be a Christian nation, 
How does it reflect on our service to the Lord if we let the nation fail? And if America fails, where will future generations go if the liberty given to us by the Lord is no longer to be found here? We think the answer is to take the cause closer to home. Let's fortify our state as a bulwark against the encroachment of federal politicians. To that end, Ike and I will find like-minded citizens to outline a strategy to keep Missouri free. If you want to keep track of our progress or join us, email haven928 at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, go out and do good.